Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> but anyways, um, welcome to another episode of Inlandinkar. Uh, in this episode, we spoke to Nikolai, who is from originally from Denmark, but has been in, I think, everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep track anyways, like where <laughs> all the places he's been. Um, but he's been living in Iceland for the past three years around. And we had a lovely conversation with him. Really nice conversation. We could have continued talking for hours and hours. Like, he's a great storyteller. Like, quite talented storyteller. Mm -hmm. Um, And he lives a really inspirational and, like, unique life. And he's really making waves here in this kind of spiritual community here in Iceland. Mm -hmm. Um, We really hope you enjoy the episode. We really, really enjoyed recording it. Um, let's take it away. Well, Nikolai, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. We, like, I kind of don't even know where to begin. There's so much I want to talk about with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. But maybe you can, because I was thinking about how I would like introduce you and I actually don't know how to do it. So maybe I'll leave it to you. How would you introduce yourself to us? What Self-introduction. Yeah, how, like, who are you and what do you do? I love that question, who are you? I feel it's like one of the deepest questions that a human being can ask themselves. That's, that's good, but a lot of times. So. <laughs> it's like, who am I? What am I? But um, to answer your question, of course, uh, my name is Nikolai Engelbrecht and I've been traveling around the world for the past 10 years, leading like rehabilitation programs for people, uh, both with like addiction problems and coming out of crime and like CEOs of like stress recovery and all of this stuff. Um, But I don't know if that ever tells like who we are, like who am I, right? It's like such a limited view of like telling what we do. Maybe I could say that I wrote a book. But then it's also that I'm like an author, right? Then I have the author hat. Or, um, yeah, I was once in organized crime before <laughs> before I started uh, <laughs> teaching breathwork and meditation and martial arts. I was like very heavily involved in the crime underworld in Copenhagen. Um, but I think who I am would be like a, a sovereign individual. So like an individual who who uses their free will to to share um, the information that I have gathered on my journey. And yeah, I basically just dedicated my life to this crazy path of just like sharing love and connection to everyone that I meet around me. So I guess that would be... Is that a good answer? Yeah. Ooh, that, that was question. really good. Yeah. But maybe like I think, at least for me and probably for a lot of other people, one of the most interesting things or maybe not the most interesting but one of the things that like is most obvious is the like transformation that you alluded to before um can we maybe like go back to your childhood and like how did this all begin what were you like as a child what was your family like um i come from copenhagen so like the capital of denmark and um it was a pretty rough neighborhood where i grew up in it was like pretty um yeah, rough is a good word. It was like a very, very harsh environment. But I come from like a very creative family. So like all my uh, grandparents are painters and authors and stuff like that. So we are like a very creative family. Mom and dad were circus artists. And so we always had a lot of room to express our creativity. And then somehow um, on this journey, like around uh, 
like when I was eight years old, I lo- was like very closely in contact with death. So like one of my best friends died. It got like very difficult for me to be in school. It was already difficult because I found it super boring. I, I still find it quite boring <laughs> when I try to go back. <laughs> but um, stay in school, kids, is, is cool. It's cool. <laughs> and somehow I just started connecting, of course, to like the other individuals who also were like maybe not outcasts because we were not as such outcasts, but was difficult for us to fit in, right? So a lot of the people that I grew up around was refugees coming in from like Somalia and like third generations from Pakistan and like all of these um, individuals who also somehow were stuck inside uh, different um, social situations and could understand also the pain that I was going through. Um, So we started hanging out a lot and then we got into like just like small time things, right? Like stealing and making like uh, graffiti and like all of this kind of like very, um, I would call it innocent when you're just like 12 or 13 years old. And then slowly that just escalated, right? Which is like how it is for everyone. It's like you take the first puff of the cigarette and then like 10 years later, you're sniffing your first line of cocaine. For me, it was only a few years later, but (laughs) for like the average individual. And then everything just kind of evolved around that. And like mm, at around like 21 was like the biggest, you could say like turning point for me. That was when I lost the right eye. So I got like a glass eye. I was like in a very violent um situation like a very violent fight i wouldn't really call it a fight because i just got my ass beaten but (laughs) 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 a violent encounter at least we could call it and like i lost the right eye and that was like the first like proper uh, life crisis that i went into of course at that age of like my whole personality and identity was based around how i looked who i was hanging out with i was always in this like jet set environment at that time um so it really made me question like this question that you asked like who am i like who am i if i'm not just this pretty boy uh, cocaine dealer who was like doing all of this stuff is like who am i really and that took me into like um like a more religious approach through islam like i started studying islam and was hanging out with like a lot of the muslim like i was already hanging out with people who are muslims before that so it wasn't like a <laughs> huge transition but i got like deeper into the religious aspects of it and then somehow along this road i got introduced to breathwork which is then what i'm teaching now myself and I did this five days course in breathwork and it was just like mind blowing. Like it was like so crazy. I could feel like all my emotions. I was like the first time crying in like, I don't know, like many, many years. I was just like crying my eyes out. I was feeling super sad and just like this whole healing process started. And then, yeah, like I never thought that I was going to teach it or anything. It was just like an experience for me. And then somehow my teacher, he was just like one day, he was like, okay, Nikolai, we're going to give like a small talk and like, you're just going to share your story. And I was like, okay, cool. And then we walk into this room and it's like 80 neuroscientists who are sitting <laughs> in these like, <laughs> in these rows. And he was like, yeah, this is Nikolai. And like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, okay. What? <laughs> what escalated I? quickly. <laughs> Very <laughs> quickly. And I was like, what am I going to tell all of these like um, neuroscientists? And I was just sharing with them like my journey and the transformation that I had been through that year of like coming from crime and drugs into like becoming a vegetarian and like living like a total different lifestyle. And then from that, it kind of just like one thing just took um, the next. And like three years later, I was living in London and somehow I got involved with this uh, doctor from Belgium who was doing peace building and prison rehabilitation. And I ended up inside of the prison with her. And then I just saw like the impact that it had of like this thing of, 
sharing connection with people, like not just prisoners, but like everyone, of course, but like sharing mirror and connection with every individual that we met. And then I just stayed in London for like three years. This is like a very fast track version. Yeah, have, yeah. We'll have, probably go I, back I, and revisit it. I have a book called Gangsters and Gurus. It's super cool. <laughs> There's a lot of stories in it. I didn't bring a book for you, actually. I'm sorry. I bought one already. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was just like, I had started yoga for a long time. I went to India. I was like living with like a, a guru or like a master in India. And it was like super beautiful and crazy experience also because it is mm, very different from our countries in the north <laughs> like the whole mm -hmm. everything is very different and then i got really tired of yoga at one point i was feeling it was very feminine and very like um everything was very soft Did you find that even when you were studying it abroad yeah really yeah like very like very beautiful because it's very like softening and i really needed that softness because mm. i came from this like super like toxic masculine like ah kind of environment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of environment into like the more soft stuff but then i was like at this point where i almost couldn't feel like really who i was anymore and i i just knew like okay i have to do something different i had already studied martial arts before like thai boxing and stuff and i didn't really want to study these things of like how to harm other people but i still needed like the physical like aspect of my body to be like more engaged so I was watching this cartoon, uh, like this manga cartoon, <laughs> one evening in the in Shoreditch where I was living, and then I was looking at this kung fu cartoon, and I thought, like, whoa, that looks super awesome, like kung fu, and they were like throwing fireballs, and there was like all of this, <laughs> like totally silly, like beautiful stuff. And then I was like, why don't I just go to China and study kung fu? And that same night, I just went online. I started searching for kung fu schools, talked to like some of the martial arts guys that I know who are living around the world. And then I found one school and I literally left, like, the, I think two weeks later, I just packed my bags, packed everything, went to these people I was working with in the prison. I was like, I'm going to China and, like, I'm just coming there. And, like, it's a whole crazy story because I ended up in India instead of China. But then I eventually ended up in China <laughs> after, like, a few months. I ended in Hong Kong and then from Hong Kong to India and then India to China. And when I entered China, I really felt like, okay, this is, like, a whole... It's like India was already far away from the north, but like China is like a whole, it's a whole different world. Like it's every like you really feel like okay, I am not from here. Like yeah. Nobody can connect to like you can't speak to anyone, and it's like. But still, of course, I traveled a long time, so I always like use my hands and like rah, rah, I tried like Google <laughs> Translate. A new language, <laughs> <kind> totally <of. laughs> the circus skill. Yeah. I call it <laughs> circus communication. <laughs> you learned that from your parents. I'm <laughs> <a> hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat pork. No. <laughs> <laughs> like the full thing, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, I was in China for a few months. I thought I was gonna be like a kung fu master in like two months or something. Came back to UK. I almost couldn't do anything like it's very different than yoga where you can like learn sun salutations and you can learn like these sequences where in like tai chi it's a whole like it's a whole different uh, ball game of like how to connect movement and breath and internal locks and like everything is like much more complex so in the martial art you mean yeah in the martial arts oh, okay i wasn't aware of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like because that's already a huge thing in yoga isn't it it's like you connecting yeah. the body and the breath you so could, you take that to another level in martial yeah, arts. Yeah, you could say like yoga is like more static because you're like on the mat, right? So you'd be like forward bending, or front bending or twisting to the sides. 
where in like Tai Chi, everything is moving in triangles and circles. So that means there's like a constant circular movement and constant movement of triangular um, yeah, movement, basically. So it's like everything is connected and then it's almost like learning dance, basically. Yeah. So like you would move like two or three meters in your sequence with the right movements and with the breath and with like the everything. Super, it's super awesome to learn. And I always recommend people like definitely if you have any like um, feeling for that kind of stuff, just go and learn it and it's not so fun. <laughs> I guess it's like quite quite a foreign concept. Definitely. Like, I, I wouldn't even know what to expect or what I would get out of something like that. No. Bloody knuckles I got from the first Kung Fu school. (laughs) 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 Super, super intense training the first place I was. So you went from something really soft with the yoga to just like the exact opposite. Exact opposite, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Like a little Chinese uh, guy who was just like screaming and like punching people and (laughs) 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 having like rice in like these dirty balls and like, yeah, it was very. And all in a language that you didn't understand. Definitely did not understand anything. That's like another level we often talk about in this podcast, like the mm-hmm. feeling of like isolation that you get when you can't communicate with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, we can always communicate in English. We yeah, always have yeah. that crutch. We have the crutch. In, at least in Europe, right? We have almost everyone can communicate in English. Right. Not everyone, maybe, but almost everyone. Mm. But in China, what, the, I feel like there was, both in India and China, I really learned this thing of like... Mm, Everyone is basically the same, right? Like every single individual you meet, they come with their story, they come with their values, they come with their traumas, they come with their flaws, they come with the things they can do. So when you meet people at that level, I feel it's much easier to connect like heart to heart with people. And then when you have a teacher who is just screaming at you and punching people with like with sticks, it's like you just know like, okay, you just like smile and you say like, yes. And then like, yeah, okay. Like don't try to like in that way, like, force our western values because a lot of people came with that mindset of like no this should be different or like it shouldn't be like this and they really wanted it to be like it was in the uk or in denmark or wherever people are coming from but of course it's not like that when you're in a mountain in china it's like a very 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 different lifestyle right for Mm. for everyone (laughs) how long did you stay there first time i was there like a little bit more than a month then i went back for eight months and then i found my real teacher in china what do you mean found your, how like, do you find your real teacher? So I was like searching for someone who knew about energy and who knew about healing and like Chinese, not Chinese, but like Taoist uh, medicine. And it was almost impo- not impossible, it was very, very difficult to find someone who actually knew it. Most of the people they knew less than I knew, they knew more about like breaking arms and fingers, which was not my interest. No, <laughs> it's like really, really <laughs> it was like really far away from what yeah. I came there to do. Of course, it was fun to run and I think like, a lot of people who have been like playing computer games and watching cartoons and stuff, it is fun to go into it because you're literally, you are running up a mountain with like a big sword and like all <laughs> kind of stuff and training. So it's, of course that is fun. But it was also like, okay, I really wanted to find someone who could teach me. And I went to lots of different schools and places and talked to them. And it was more or less like the same, very touristic. And they would only teach you like part of the sequence and then they would like change to another sequence. So you would always like try to get you to stay for like two years or three years without really teaching the full things. Oh, okay. Marketing tactic. Basically. <laughs> Hardcore marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you learned already 10 forms and you're like, no, I only learned like one full one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Fractions of each. So one day I was sitting in the, in, in the school I was in, Tianmeng is called. Uh, there was this one I stayed in the longest time. And then this dude, he just came from uh, Switzerland with like no shoes. He came with his guitar and like a little 
back with his clothes and I was like, okay, this is like, this is a friend. Like I could just see instantly like, okay, this is like a homie. I'm like, I'm going to connect to him. And he was like, why, why are you in this school? He was like, it doesn't make any sense. Like you're already like, I had already traveled the world. I had taught like thousands of people at the time in yoga and breath work and everything. He's like, what, like, dude, like, what are you doing here? And he's like, there is this one guy who is living in a mountain. He was like, not so far away because it was in China, but it was still 2,500 kilometers from where <laughs> which is like a tiny, <laughs> like a, a train ride. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was like a, a 20 hours train ride. Yeah, okay. Just a cute 20 hour trip. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> and I was just like, awesome gonna go there i went into the city i found um chinese yoga teacher i had spoken to i was like hey please like can you help me like get across the country because i wasn't using iphones or anything at the time i just had like a, a old uh, cell phone and it's not so it's not advisable really to travel in china without like maps or translation apps and stuff unless you like a really good or like me, a little bit crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so why did you? I <laughs> <laughs> like, had to be a little bit crazy. I had to be really skillful at traveling. <laughs> but I just knew like I had to go to meet this guy. So I went to this uh, beautiful yoga teacher that I knew and I asked her like, please, like, can you come with me? And she was like, dude, like I'm working. Like I have like, I'm, I have a life. Like they live, it's not like in our uh, communities here. There they like almost live like slaves right in these schools so it's like she lived inside the school she would be cleaning she would be serving tea she would be doing yoga it's like everything was just like her responsibility is that part of the training or no no, no that's just chinese uh, i don't know what we should call it okay. culture is the wrong word it's not really custom. toxic col- custom, custom maybe yeah. yeah different custom yeah. <laughs> so, i like china <laughs> we all like china <laughs> you're great <laughs> No, it's super, super intense. Like they will have like one day off in maybe 10 days. Then they'll have like one day where they go to their family and then they'll come back again. And they're just like full on. Wow. This is like the, not the lowest, like lowest, if we could call it class of society, but like the working class is like very different. So anyway, I went up to her bus with her, sat down with this Chinese guy and I was like, listen, like, my name is Nikolai, blah, blah, blah. I'm from Denmark. And I was like, I came like to study Chinese culture. And I want to learn, like, I really want to go deep into it. And this guy, he was, of course, running, like, a yoga school and a tea ceremony center and all of this stuff. So he allowed her to go with me for five days. He was like, okay, it's like you promised, like, you'll take care of, like, everything, like, food and trains and everything. And I was like, yes. And then me and this beautiful girl, we went on, like, a train trip through China and I came up to this mountain and I was, like, really excited and, like, called this number that I have. And then the monk that i got in connected uh, to she was just like that's really nice and like we're happy to hear that you're here i'll let you know like when you can come and visit us okay so i was like okay cool i'll be here waiting uh, basically right <laughs> so that i mean like if it was like in denmark you would maybe think there would be like one day or something right if you knew someone had traveled from china to denmark yeah. as an example and then traveled like to the whole country right like i don't know if i was important i felt very important of course also <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i was waiting there like three days connected to her again and I was like ni hao chang fang and like it's me Nikolai and like I'm here and she's like oh she's like you, uh, you're not coming now she was like this is like within the next few months I'm gonna let you know like when you can come okay and I was like okay like, and cool. you're there you're yeah like there I was already. literally like two hours like I didn't know exactly where that temple was so I was like in that area mm-hmm. it's called Wudang but it's like 80 different mountains <laughs> So I was on one of the mountains where there was lots of Kung Fu schools and I thought it was on that mountain. It wasn't on that mountain, it was two hours away. 
but anyway and i was like waiting waiting and then i was like okay she told me that i was like really sad i was like okay fine and i went back and dropped this yoga teacher off and i was like in that kung fu school and then i had almost like just dropped the idea about learning the real you could say like the real taoist uh, kung fu and and skills and then i just received an sms on the day i was supposed to leave china to thailand because i had just been like okay then i just go to thailand is like nicer weather <laughs> it's mm. like i like the food better in thailand mm. <laughs> like everything was kind of nicer in thailand <laughs> yeah. because china at that time we were like already down to minus uh, 12 and it was like small rooms with no heat like nothing right so i was like okay maybe it's just time to go then i received the sms and they're like tomorrow you can come and visit and i was like dude it's <laughs> like literally 2500 kilometers away <laughs> i was like how am i gonna do it and she was like I don't know, you're going to be here, for, you can be here for three days. And she was like, you can come tomorrow. It was like, if you come one day later, then you'll just have one day less to visit us, basically. Just like, no, there's like, no, like... No compromise. No, 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 no nothing. So I went, I found a, a fast train. So it made me go into my skill set of <laughs> figuring out roads. <laughs> found a fast train, arrived there with um, with a with a kid from America. He was a kid at the time. I was like 17, he was traveling with me around in China. And um, we drove around with this taxi. It's again like we were literally talking about two guys, one from America, one from Denmark, with like a piece of paper where I had written in Chinese, like, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, please, like, if I'm lost, call this number. Where is the nearest train station? Like, I just had these, like, phrases that I could, like, point to with people. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't take this girl again because it was like she had already, like, basically taken, like, the year's vacation yeah. that she would get <laughs> to come with me. So we were driving around and then I was like, had this thing written down, like by my shen, it's called like White Horse Mountain. And I was like showing it to the taxi driver and he was just like, they are, I don't know, I have experienced it a lot, both in India and in China, where they're like, yeah, it's like, of course, of course, just like, just come in, come in, come in. And then they just like drive and we were just driving for like two hours or something. And then he stopped at this random street and he was like, okay, like we're here. And I looked at him and I was like, no way i was like this like just like some random village <laughs> so i was like it's definitely not here and he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like just like, yeah. basically just like get out of the get taxi of now the right i was like we're, we're, already, we're already at like 150 yen like 20 dollars or something he's like just like get out now and then i said to him listen i'm gonna pay like whatever it costs doesn't matter like i'm gonna give you like 100 of this like remnant be like 10 dollars more like i need to go there like i just have to go there and then we started asking people and then we drove into the mountains and we came up to the top of this mountain top. It's like snow everywhere, super cold. And then this guy, he was just looking at us like, I'm sure he just thought these two white kids, they're like totally lost. They had like no idea. And he was just like, did, like, Shefan, he was like, did you have food? He was like, ask, like, do you have food? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, don't go out. He was like, it's like, I'm going to like take you back down. He was like, we could like just drive back down. And I was like, no, no. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like somewhere here. And we're just like in the middle of nowhere, right? Like on the mountaintop. And why were you so keen to get to this place? Yeah, why exactly. were you, why were you <laughs> going through a lot to get there? Yeah, exactly. uh, a lot. Because <laughs> I heard that there was like the, the real Kung Fu master, like someone okay. who was an actual master in Kung Fu, like not just like a, I shouldn't get in in trouble with anyone in the interview, but not like he was really someone who had he had lived in that mountain for more than uh, thirty years. He carried the information. So like during the Cultural Revolution of China, there was almost all the Taoist people got murdered, mm. and the books were burnt. So his teacher was basically one who ran away with 
some of the scriptures, memorized everything, burned the scriptures, and then taught like very few students, and they were keeping it like really as a secret, like all of the practices and principles. Okay, that's pretty profound. Did yeah, you so, hear about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had heard about that before from okay. the guy from Switzerland who studied yeah, with him. him. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I knew yeah. like, okay, this is yeah. like the real deal. Like I just have to go there, right? Where all the other schools, you could just show up and then they were just like, yeah, it's like $100, you stay for two weeks. And right. Like punch a bag and whatever, like break a stick and break a brick and like mm. this kind of stuff, which is also fun. Mm. So did you make it? I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. so, so we jumped out of the taxi. You know the secret. <laughs> <laughs> I do know quite a lot of them. <laughs> I can't teach them, but I know them. <laughs> okay. Jumped out of the taxi. This guy, he was literally like just parked there, the taxi driver, just like looking at us, like almost like with fear, right? He was like, whoa, what is happening? Like I'm dropping these two like total foreigners, like just yeah. in the middle of a mountain with their <laughs> little piece of paper and their, and their bare <laughs> 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 He's not going to get any food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Also very difficult in China to be a vegetarian in general and not especially pork meat is like in everything basically. Mm. Anyway, sidetrack. This guy from this village, he came and then I asked him like, is this like by my channel? Like, is this the temple? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you just like go up. So we walked for 40 minutes through this forest with snow and all of this crazy stuff. We got a little bit nervous at that stage because we were like, okay, we are literally in a forest in yeah. minus and 15 you, and degrees. And your taxi had gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were alone. Yeah, we were point. just there basically. And the, But there was a small village with like three houses and a little restaurant and stuff. Not really, I don't know. Yeah. Diner, maybe I don't yeah. know what to call it. <laughs> Place where they would make food at least. <laughs> and um, we came up, and then it's literally just like the movie like you walk up these like hundreds of steps, and then you come up to the top, and there was the temple. And then there was other foreigners, which made me really happy. I was like, whoa, it was like the first non Chinese people we had seen in like more than two days. And they were all there and they were just like sweeping and laughing and like, hello, good to see you. And we sat down with this teacher, and then there was when my Real studies started, you could say, and then I stayed there for almost uh, seven months. I was with with this teacher. Was it what you were expecting? Was it worth beyond, the journey? Beyond, yeah, okay. beyond, totally. And I feel so thankful now, also with like the current situation that I even got to spend so much time in China. Because I mean, at this stage, nobody knows if you're even gonna go into China again any day. Not, mm. not any day soon, at least. It doesn't look like that. So, was this before you came to Iceland? When? How long ago was this? So then I was standing on that mountaintop uh, at the end of my trip and then I realized I had uh, 500 renminbi, which is like maybe 60 euros or something left. I had no ticket home and I had a visa that was about to expire. <laughs> and in this like crazy um, um, exploration, we could say, I could of course call my mom and dad and say, please mom, help me. But I never really picked that option. It was not, I didn't feel that it was very aligned. So I thought when I stood there, okay, I spent eight years studying like Vedic philosophy, yoga philosophy, Taoist philosophy. And I was like, what about like my Nordic, like ancestral mm. information? Because in Denmark, you can't find it anymore. I mean, like nobody can even say what is Danish anymore. It's like one person would be like, yeah, you should eat like pig meat or drink beer. And it's like, there is almost no connection anymore to like our traditions and our culture, I feel. So anyway, I really wanted to study it. And then I thought Iceland would be a cool place. Okay. They must have something like Iceland, Faroe Islands. And then I was like, if they don't have anything, then I know at least Greenland, they have still their indigenous culture, even if it's not the, um, I mean, it is the Nordic culture, of course, but not like the North mythology, then they still have like the indigenous culture kept there. 
And then I came down from this mountain, went into a restaurant. That was a real restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Sat there, put my SIM card into a smartphone and went on Facebook. And then I had two messages. I had a lot of messages. I had hundreds of messages because I hadn't been online for almost a year. But I had two messages. One was from the guy in the previous Kung Fu school who needed help, who asked me to come and he was going to pay my visa and my tickets and everything. And another one was from a woman in Iceland who said that she had seen my work in prisons and she would love for me to come to Iceland. So I went to, ch uh, to the other place in China and studied and worked as a school teacher to get money for a ticket and stuff like that. And then I came back and then I just came up to Iceland with like, I think I had around 200 euros when I came. And my It doesn't go very far in Iceland. It no, was around it's one, one taxi ride. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, like taxi from, from the airport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and I came with like my little bag with my yoga clothes in. Because I had been in India. I can't tell the whole story because then we just spent like an hour on that story. But I had been in India. So I came with like my white yoga pants and my white yoga clothes. And I don't know how I had kind of thought that Iceland would be warmer in March, but it was definitely not warm. It was supposed like a, to be green. <laughs> it was like, yeah, basically. <laughs> it was very cold for me coming from India. I had been in India for a few months and I just came up. I stood there and I was like, whoa, this is like super cold and there was still like a little bit snow. And I was like, okay, cool. But I had this woman who had invited me so I could stay with her and everything. And um, got picked up by the only Icelandic guy that I know. He came and picked me up, and then he drove me uh, to Glow. I really, I really liked that restaurant at oh, least restaurant. before. Yeah, yeah. Oh. in Skaven. So yeah. I went there, sat. I had this uh, lacrys snooder, okay. which I really liked. And then I was like, okay, this is pretty good. It's like nice. Still very foreign, of course, from um, from India and China, where I had spent yeah. majority of my time. Talk like, about culture shock. Totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> And then we went into this uh, amazing painter, Tully Mortens, who is like a very famous painter. And I, I don't know if he's famous, but he's a very mm -hmm. known painter in Iceland. First day I was here, two hours into my trip, I stood in his gallery. We looked at each other and we just had this like, wow. You and the and, artist. Uh, yeah, me and the, the painter. And then we started talking and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, I'm like teaching in prisons and he was like, oh, okay, I've been in the prisons for 20 years in Iceland doing meditations and sweat lodges and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then from there, well, that was kind of like the beginning of my Iceland adventure. I thought I was just going to be here for two weeks. And that's like three years ago now. Wow. Did the oh. woman that reached out to you when you were in China, Yeah. She asked, was she asking you to come? Yeah, she asked me to come up, not the for the prisons, but for the youth in Iceland. Oh, okay, okay. Because she was really saying that like, Uh, I mean, it's not just in Iceland. There's many places in the world that we need, like, I don't, I don't know if I can classify myself as a young person anymore, but younger people yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. to, like, go back and, like, meet the youth yeah. and connect to them and really, like, interact with them. Because yeah. for me, it is all about connection. Like, I really believe that that is, like, the ultimate cure for anything that we yeah. are facing is, like, connection, like, feeling connected. I think, like, I've been thinking a little bit about... Um, like young people and education i'm kind of reflect, reflecting on my education and mm -hmm. I, and education generally and i i really 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 wish that we had all been taught so much more about like emotional intelligence and how to handle our emotions and how to like basically get through life i feel i feel like those are the lessons that you need to be learning when you're like a kid yeah. you know and i think there was like zero time allotted to that definitely and so. we're all like kind of we learn this mainly from our families and i feel like people don't get equal opportunities to you know 
express their feelings. So it's it, and then it comes Definitely. out later in life in some some maybe not so productive of a way. Definitely, mm. it's like I mean now luckily it's getting like more and more um, known and into like the more um, acceptable sector of society, right? Like looking at like the somatic experience of the body of like okay, every person that you see, if it's a prisoner or if it's a CEO, they have all some kind of abusive behavior right like in their childhood or like throughout life and then that is like reflected into how they deal with life of course so i was actually talking about it today i did this like provocative video on instagram talking about like an epidemic and it's not the epidemic that everyone is talking about mm. but it's the, what i would say like the real epidemic which is like one out of five people are like literally using like uh, medication to like control their moods and that for me is like the real epidemic is like okay if it's like one out of every five person that I see on the street is feeling so sad that they need to take medication or like they can't deal with their emotion, of course our society is going to struggle. Like mm. any society. Of course we are very privileged in the North because we have, you cannot say minor, because, but we have less challenges in some way than many other places in the world. But nevertheless you can also not really measure the challenges because it's never the same because everyone, like I have seen someone who had experienced like murder, like seeing their mom get murdered and then they were cool. And then I have seen someone who got hit by a car and they were not cool, right? So it's also like how is the resilience yeah. of the person's experience and all of this stuff, right? But do you have a sense of how that can be? Because that, of course, doesn't make sense. But like, <laughs> how is it that there can be like those kind of differences? Do you know, do you have a an opinion on that i have definitely have an opinion i don't know if i have like a clear answer on it but i think it's all about seeing like mm, like how do we perceive ourselves right and the experiences we have so like i can take myself as an example right i had like a few choices when i lost my eye one was i could say okay everything is just gonna be over like my life is gonna be over i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna be able to like continue go on like handicap benefits or like whatever that was like available in that direction I could say, okay, I go into a more violent, more angry direction. That was the first choice I took was just like revenge, resentment, anger, hatred to the people that did it. And then when there was presented this other tool for me, which was like breath work and talking and reflecting with people, and it wasn't even that they asked me like what happened, it was more talking about like forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard it, I was like, I'm not going to forgive them. And then the guy, he said, okay, just imagine all the time you're being angry with this person. What do you think they're doing? I was like, I don't know what they're doing. It's like, just imagine. <laughs> I <don't care>. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I hate them. And I was like, okay, but just imagine, like, what do you think he's doing, like, this guy? It's like, maybe he's with his girlfriend. Maybe he's, like, sitting, like, in a cinema, or, like, going for restaurant visits. It's like, it's not affecting him. Like, there's none of that that is, like, affecting that person. It's, like, all just internal, like, oh, I hate all of these people. It takes a little bit of the, like, nobility out of it. It takes <laughs> yep. a little bit of the, like, punch. It's like, yeah. you're here busy hating someone. And they're just actually just... They're going they're, for a coffee. They're <laughs> basically just fine, right? And then when I could go, that was like the first like trick he made on me, my teacher, Jakob, to like get me to see like, okay, forgiveness was more for myself, like just like letting it go and forgiving myself also for having gone through it. Because of course, it's not just a one-way street. It wasn't just someone who, yeah, but like that's another story. But it wasn't just someone who just like came up. There's been like a whole course of events. Which you talk about in your book. So I talk a lot about it. In my book, Gangsters and Gurus. Gangsters and Gurus. <laughs> <laughs> every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. There we go. <laughs> um, but there's more, the way I see it, it's more like how can we help people see that none of the events that we have experienced are neither good or bad 
They are all just what we make them into. So if I see an event as bad, then that event becomes bad. If I see it as good, then it becomes good. If I think like, oh, I'm so blessed, I won the lottery. Sure, then I am blessed, I won the lottery. If I feel like, oh, I'm so cursed, I won the lottery, I got into addiction. That happens for a lot of people who win the lottery, funny enough. Mm. <laughs> they go like straight in, not, it's not so funny, but they went like straight into addiction and then there's like all of these horrible things that happens as a, as a course of that. So it's just seeing like, okay, if every event is just an event, but it's my own personal responsibility to choose what am I going to make from this event. doesn't mean that we acknowledge the people who did the things. It just means like, okay, I accept the event has happened and now what am I going to use this information for? And then, I mean, when I talk to people and this is just like real talk, that is like all the difficult events was what made us into who we are today. It was not just a time where we were like someone stroking our hair or... It was like the time where we were like stuck in a mountain in China with 500 <laughs> euros or like these things, right? Like 500 mm. yen. It was those times that also shapes us into who we are. So I think that helps a lot when you can help people get into it, but then also give them practical tools of how to release the physical trauma from the body. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. I think oftentimes, like I don't even realize sometimes that like the little traumas that are on me, like I don't realize them until maybe many years later where I'm like, wow, why is this affecting me so much in this moment? And it's like, oh, it's probably because like, I have to, I have to really trail back. Kletchi and I talk a lot about how like just being in Iceland and kind of growing new roots and not really feeling like ourselves completely, mm -hmm. like we're trying to find our new identities. Uh, it's so easy to make ourselves s feel so small. And yeah, we think that like this is something we talk about very often you're wondering, like, is this something that you've gone through at all? Or, like, do you have any tips for us? How can we feel bigger? <laughs> yeah, because, like, you, you are know I'm a little bit crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you are, of course, like, in the same position as us. You're, like, in a foreign country and you're, Mostly. like, making new roots. and But then also you're, like, a sort of like spiritual guru. <laughs> and, like, yeah. do you go through all, do you have the same, like, silly insecurities that everyone else does? Or definitely. maybe you just, like, know how to handle them better. I don't know. I definitely go through it. I, like one thing that became really clear for me, like I think it was uh, like a month ago or something. I go to AA meetings, uh, like I really like to connect to that demographic and like people who have gone through like the different steps. There's like both codependency anonymous and alcoholic anonymous. And I really love to go into these groups because you really have like this raw sharing where people just, they just share. It's not like to impress it. Maybe some of them do, but like mostly it's not to impress anyone. It is really just like an honest sharing group. And one of the things that I was really going through at, at like the one month ago was this thing of like, I feel somehow I'm connected everywhere. Like I literally, I know people all over the world. I could fly to Egypt tomorrow and I could go and live with someone. Like a family, stay with them, be like part of them, call the dad, uncle, and the mom would make food for me and I could like lie on the floor and like sleep with everyone and go like Somalia, like almost any country I could go to and I would have that connection. So there's like this weird ambivalent um, feeling for me of feeling connected everywhere but then also not really feeling like I am any culture anymore mm. so I've connected with so many cultures and I've studied so many cultures so I can also I can understand the old Icelandic guy who has been the fisherman and gone through all of that stuff and I can understand my friends who are coming as refugees and like I can understand all of them so there is this for me like the main thing that I go through is like feeling connected to everyone and at the same time, also sometimes going through this feeling of like, okay, not really Icelandic. I haven't really been in Denmark for 10 years. It's like, mm, 
where do I belong mm, to? But, where are my roots? But I feel like when we go, mm, or at least when I go into this state of consciousness where I say, okay, if I was to just see the world without borders, like really like perceive the world as like there is no borders and there's no difference if I interact with someone from Egypt or someone from Cairo, uh, like from um, China or someone from the UK, if I just see that everyone is just these individuals who are going through their whole life with traumas, with uh, the same emotions as me, then I start feeling connected to everyone. And that for me is like the biggest help that I can do. It's like connecting to myself, seeing like, okay, what is all the emotions I'm going through? It's like sadness, anger, greed, jealousy, shame, guilt. And I know every single person I meet, they go through the same emotions. Mm, yeah, you're not special. Not, I'm not way. special. <laughs> no, nobody is special. That's no. the funny thing, right? Mm. It's like everybody is experiencing it. So it's just like, okay, how can I then connect to everyone? And I feel like um, maybe the most important tool, which is why we have the event in two days in, in Harpa. Are you guys coming for it? I don't have tickets, insane. no, no. I don't have tickets. But can you tell, tell us a little bit about <laughs> it? And I yeah, also I really do want to talk about like breath work and what it is. Because, like, <laughs> Me too. We like... I, I've experienced like a little bit of breath work with Heidrun, lovely Heidrun. She's one of my most amazing students now, teachers in Iceland. It's amazing because I I experienced your like, because you've developed this metatronic breathing method. Yes. Yes, and correct. I like randomly went to a class that she was doing that was like based on that. Nice. Um, and I didn't know about you at this point. And I was like, oh God, like <laughs> I wanted to come and do like hot yoga right. and I wanted to like sweat <laughs> and now I have to sit here and breathe. And like I had this like real um, like resistance, resistance. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is. It was like, I was like a little bit scared of it and I was like, oh no, this is just really not for me. But I was there and I did it and uh, honestly, huge. It was, it was huge for me and like it was... Um, I don't know, I could, the only way I can describe it was like much, much easier to get into the meditation part of it. So you do exactly. these breathing exercises and you can describe it better than me, but you do these breathing exercises and then I don't know what happened, but I just felt like I could be like present in a way that I hadn't been present in like normal meditation. And I cried, I wept. And I remember I came to Sonia's house when, like that day and I was like I've just <laughs> I had the weirdest experience I was just crying all through yoga and I don't know what it is like I'm not particularly sad like not particularly I'm just I'm good but I'm crying yeah. and it like unlocked like basically like a month or six weeks of like I couldn't go to a meditation class without crying beautiful Congratulations. Kind of, uh, congratulations. Yeah. I was great. like, I was like, Jesus, You're this is kind of like, like man. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, this is kind of unhelpful. I was like, I just want to go to a nice meditation class without having like an existential crisis. <laughs> but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like a negative thing. No, no, no. no. It was like a release. Yeah. But can you tell us about this metatronic breathing? I'm. I could say a little bit about it. I'm also like, I love mysticism, but. Um, Basically, that was actually created from like many years of study. So it's not like that I created it. I mean, I have definitely trademarked it and branded it quite well, I would say. But like main, mainly the techniques is a combination of yogic breathwork and uh, Taoist breathwork. And then there's one uh, exercise that I'm teaching that is called the Cosmic Kriya, which is a very uh, beautiful, maybe quite long for some people, uh, breathwork exercise that came through... Uh, deep meditation and stuff um, when I was in Bali. 
And then I went to Egypt because I really had a dream at that time to go into Egypt and work with refugees and uh, teach them like trauma rehabilitation through breathwork and bodywork. Never happened. I did go to Egypt. We did, we're not allowed to go and teach. That's another story. I'm just mm. going to like blah, so blah, blah. Stories. I'm like going backwards. Well. I don't want to say anything that I will regret later. <laughs> I feel about like you the should UN. be like 80 years old. With <laughs> yeah. that you, all the places you've been and all the stories you have. <laughs> I think I am 80 years old somewhere in, in some timeline. Um, but basically what I really wanted to create was like a combination of exercises that both gave uh, stable energy to people. Because there's a lot of breath work, which is just about like, oh, we have to be like a high performance and which is already supporting um, our madness in the West, I would say, of like living in this like stressful state all the time. So I wanted to create something that created a stable energy, but at the same time also connected us to our natural abilities to heal ourselves. Because mm, I do believe that every person can heal any disease at any time if they are able to tap into it. So... I came up with this system after a very long time of like mixing and matching all kind of different techniques together. And I just started sharing it and people just loved it, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> and like the experience that you're talking about going through is exactly why for me it was so powerful because I did not have to go and talk to someone about why was I crying or why was I so angry. I could literally just sit down, breathe and meditate and just allow everything to just come out without knowing even, like sometimes I wouldn't know, like when I was going through this back in the days, like 10 years ago, I would sometimes cry for like weeks, just like cry and cry and cry, but I'd still do the breathing, I'd still just go through it. And then at one point, it just was just good. Like it mm. was like out like of the system of like the kidneys, of the gallbladder, of the knees, of like all of these places where we hold like lots of tension and cortisol. So for me, it was just like, it was really my saving of like why I became who I am today. Mm. And if we look at it from like a more Western science approach, we could say then, like you explained, it's like a easy way to change the brainwave. So it's like an easy way to go into deeper brainwave and into deeper states of consciousness. And we can see, of course, every, just imagine, right, like every, every emotion you have ever had in your whole life, you had a breathing pattern that was connected to that. So if it's like doing sex, there's like a different breathing pattern. If it's doing like someone shocks you, you're holding your breath. If you're angry someone, you're like usually breathing rapidly. If you're sad, it's usually like very long exhalation. So it's like every time we have had an emotion through our whole life, we have had the breath with us. So when we just know and understand how to work with the breath, we can kind of not bypass, but we can kind of move beyond this thing of like having to find out like why am I sad or why is this happening? We can more just like experience the sadness full and then we can say okay now I just change my breath go out and then go into another state of mind and consciousness which for me was like so valuable because I, I didn't know how to not be angry like I knew that I like you should not be angry and la 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 all of that stuff <laughs> but I hadn't like nobody could say to me like how can I not be angry and then when these tools were provided it was just so beautiful so what I see is like everyone in society can use them and what I really love about it is like that we are all connected through the breath. Like we are literally breathing. Like when we are sitting now, we are breathing the same air, like in and out. And we're like trans like sending the air around. And I love that because it's really, really a way to connect both to ourselves, but also that we are connected to all individuals around us, animals, plants, like everything is like breathing, constantly breathing. This like breathing mechanism that we are <laughs> floating around space on, right? Mm. <laughs> the earth. Mm. How would you... How would you recommend as a good way to kind of start 
kind of like if you want to get into breathing <laughs> techniques like what would be am I going to do product placement again? yeah exactly I think, <laughs> I think I'm setting <laughs> you up for that perfect <laughs> yeah, exactly. so uh, in two days <laughs> in two days you can buy my online course which is a 45 days transformational course where you learn <laughs> breathwork, meditations, uh, trauma therapy. <laughs> okay, so you've made an online course. I have literally made an online course. It's oh. coming out uh, with the event, Can You Breathe in Harpa? Okay. And um, so this podcast will come out after the event, okay. but the online course will be. And then available. the online course will be right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can take, can you take the um, courses like whenever you want? Then you just yeah, that is basically uh, something I created because uh, I have taught so many people. Like I have really taught a lot of people, a lot of different people also. And I felt that I wanted to just create something for people to have access to um, anytime, any day, but also for myself to not have to explain the same things to people over and over again. Mm -hmm. You're so, smart I guy. Yeah, yeah, so I think I was just really tired of like... You're like, oh, Because I, I was like, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's really like down to the basics of like, okay, why are you not feeling happy? Okay, maybe you should not eat McDonald's and like maybe you should stop drinking like two liters of Coca-Cola at <laughs> night and maybe you could try juicing or like you could try water. So like all of these things is inside the course, but it's also, of course, a very um, deep course because we have a video that's released every third day. So you have like written exercises of like how to transform and change the mindsets around these different experiences that we are, we are all experiencing. So that's that, amazing. Uh, that that would be the best way to start. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> because, like, I remember because I went to a few of Hedron's classes um, and was it was really, really good in the class, but I could never bring myself to do it by myself. Yeah. There is like definitely a block there, which I think is probably not uh, unique to me. I think that's probably definitely. like, so I think it's a really good idea to have something to guide you. So hey, so the... Hedron is, she, she, is like a, she is like a prime example of, of these things. When, I, when she came to me, she was doing hot yoga. She was like super fit, of course. Like, uh, have you done hot yoga classes with yeah, her? Yeah, we go. Totally often insane, to her right? Yeah. Like amazing, beautiful, insane, <laughs> crazy, uh, yeah. powerful uh, chick. But she was very much in anxiety and stuff when we met. And then she just came to a course. It was like the last course I was doing in Iceland at the time. I was gonna leave. She did the course, and then I came back like five months later, and she was like, okay, I've been doing this practice every day now, five months. I was like, whoa, okay, that's pretty amazing. Like, you haven't, like, written me or told me anything. She just, like, connect, committed to it and just did it. And then I could see the transformation in her. And then, of course, now she is, like, the main teacher in Iceland, except for me, and I have uh, Bergsten Jonsson, who was the former executive director of UNICEF, who is oh, wow. teaching with me in the prison. So he's with me inside the prison, so we have the... Wow. <laughs> The, the gangster and the CEO yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming to hang out. Yeah. and um, But she is really like one of these people who, like she I was actually with her yesterday and she said to me like, the first like two months I was doing this, I was just feeling pissed off. <laughs> every time she was like, every time I sat down to breathe, I would get angry. Every time I went to like a class, I would get pissed off about like the breathing techniques. And it was just like annoying. But then that is exactly what the exercise is created for is like to burn these seeds of anger and sadness that are inside of us to like release them but then it's nicer to release them on our yoga mat with a cup of tea and like you can chill out afterwards or whatever than it is to like release it in a parking lot or when someone is taking you like yeah. going over if you were for a red light or like whatever right where people naturally take these things out on mm. wow it's amazing so, so she is like a very prime example She's gonna. She's having courses from 
we're going to have our last course together next week before I leave Iceland. And then she's going to basically start having courses uh, by herself, like the full three days course called Back to Basics, which is very basic, but also very, very powerful. It's like a, it's not just like what you have done in class with her. It's like the, like much more breath work and stuff. I think you can, I'm curious just now, like if you could maybe walk us through like a typical day in your life. Oh my God. Is I this, don't is even this know it? if I have a typical no. day. <laughs> I would love to walk you through a day. Do you want to hear my day from yesterday to today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we hear it? <laughs> okay, so um, yesterday, what day was it yesterday? It was Sunday, right? No, what day is it? So today? Monday it's Monday yesterday. Tuesday it's Tuesday today. It's Tuesday today. Now you're already getting into yeah, it. Yeah. Right <laughs> I okay. think we've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> so on Sunday, <clears throat> I lost the day there. So on Sunday, I finished the teacher training. I took my beautiful students through more than 35 hours of full-on intense yoga, breathwork, meditation in uh, four days. So they had like one of the days was 12 and a half hours. They had one hour break on that whole day and the rest of the day they are just like breathwork, yoga, like doing all these crazy things. Of course, as a facilitator of that, you also get tired from it uh, like any normal person would get from working that insane amount of hours in a very short time. So Monday, I was dropped inside of Reykjavik. I stood with my um, suitcase and my little bag and I thought, Okay, I was supposed to stay at my friend's house because I'm leaving soon. So I like uh, left my flat and everything that I had downtown. Rang his doorbell. He didn't open. I had kind of like a shutdown moment where I was just like, okay, I just need to sleep like right now. I had slept like three hours per night or something and just like meditated and like ah, singing and playing guitar and like mm-hmm. <laughs> all of the Is good that stuff. how you spend your evenings? <laughs> <laughs> usually I, I don't play the guitar, but I usually always hang out with um, my friends Dirmit or one of the other beautiful guitar players. So I usually always have, s- somehow I always end up with someone who plays guitar next to me and oh, we usually nice. just like jam and it's like, both mantras and Bob Marley, and we go through like the whole repertoire of uh, <laughs> beautiful oh. music. Oh. And um, I stood there in Skolaveda Stiger, and I had like a shutdown moment. And then I literally just walked into the first hotel that I saw. And I, was, I must have looked like a total zombie. She was laughing at me, this woman in the hotel at least. And she was like, Are you okay? And I was like, Yeah, I'm fine. I was like, I just like, I need a room like right now. <laughs> I'm sure she thought I was drunk or something because <laughs> I was just like so tired. <laughs> Went up to the hotel room fell asleep, mm, woke up again. Of course, else I would not be sitting here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I woke up again, <laughs> went over to my friend's house, and then this morning I was up around, um, I'm waking up a little bit later because I need more sleep before the event, but I woke up at like uh, 7.30, which is late for me. So when do you normally wake up? Mm, four, five o'clock <gasps> in the morning. When do you usually. go to bed? Yeah, when do you go to bed? Yeah. What? It's like 12, 1. Do you sleep for? I usually don't sleep a lot. This is not. I'm not recommending people to sleep less. It is something that has come just with like the time of meditating for many hours every day, and usually like every day I practice two or three hours of meditation for real? and prayer. Yeah, wow. yeah. Do so you split it. Do you have a certain time that you do each day, or is it? I don't really use time so much, <laughs> but I sit. You above time. Like, <laughs> I'm not above it. I don't think anyone can escape time, but I am. I don't really like look at the uh, at the time so much so i don't have like strict like a lot of yogis they have like sunrise sunset uh, middle of the day for me i just more like when i'm like doing a lot because i'm doing a lot like right now i have like 40 people in different teams of gong players and technicians and sound guys and then the second i feel like my mind is like overworked 
then I'll usually just stop everything and I just sit down. And I just sit like 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 20 minutes. And I really just like take that space to just allow me no matter where I am, if I'm in a bus, if I'm in a train, I just sit and I just allow myself to just like slow down, cool down. I actually like the phrase, it's like pause and pray is what I, what I always mm. say to people. It's like if you're confused and it's like stop whatever you're doing, pray, or like connect and then, okay, go back out. And then I had the whole day basically just planning um, the event in Harpa, which is like a total, um, I would say a miracle because we are like getting more than 100 people into a room to do breath work, doing like a world um, situation that is very much connected to the breath, which is why I chose the beautiful name, Can You Breathe? And also to bring awareness to other topics that is probably very obvious for some uh, groups of people in our society. So... I never really have a day where I don't do anything. I'm usually always super engaged, super busy. It's very difficult for me to... It's not difficult for me to be alone. It's difficult for me to have time alone. Mm. <laughs> I love to be alone. Um, because you're so like, I usually have right people now. all the time. Yeah, like, okay. Not Lions. just right now. Not just like students and people. Yes. And just like... My friend, they used to say that... You always come with a freaking entourage when you like arrive. <laughs> like I always come with like five people and like the guitar player and the video guy. And There's always like, a guitar player. Hello. <laughs> and then I do like how I like to plan my life is usually I work for like like now I have been in Iceland five months solid, just like working and teaching, and then I'm going for some month where I'm not doing anything. Okay, wow. Then I'm yeah. just like chilling out and really like taking time to like go into my own practice and I go to my teacher who lives in Bali sleep in a cave with no lights and no electricity and eat fruits wow. and do this kind of crazy beautiful practices that is also not something I advise people to just do you should have a I was going to say everything is quite extreme that you do <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's funny right because I find it like for me it's easier to sit inside of the jungle with my teacher in his bamboo house and we have like I smoke cigarettes sometimes we have cigarettes and we have coffee and we have like fresh fruits from the uh, uh, palm trees and there's like his uh, little helper who is like cooking food and and for me that is like much easier even if there is no big bed and air condition than it is to live in Reykjavik downtown as an example. Like when I'm downtown that is when I'm like extreme you could say because I will give like 10 treatments and I'll teach a class and I'll have a voice like some video call with someone and arrange this thing yeah. and like that that for me is like the extreme where in the jungle I will just be in my sarong with a knife and I'll like <laughs> walk around and like jump in the waterfall and <laughs> yeah. cut down some bananas and <laughs> So do you plan these trips um frequently then? Do you take I usually let everything else that I'm doing I think when am I gonna go? And I'm like, I'm gonna go in five days. <laughs> so, so you'll plan it just on the spot and just yeah. head over. Cool. I usually love that. And then, I mean, now with this way the situation is in the world, it also doesn't make any sense to plan any trips no. anywhere, I feel. No, so no. it's just like, I go, I'm go. i going to Denmark after the event to visit my family. It's the first time I'm seeing them in like seven months. I'm coming back and just like visiting grandma and visiting mom and dad and little sis. And mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that would be like a normal day for Nikolai. Yeah. But I really, like I say, like I don't advise people like not to sleep. It is like something that just want to emphasize that part. It is not just sleeping and smoking cigarettes and drinking yeah. coffee. It's like <laughs> it is like part of um, also not like I don't have in that way. I don't have any obligations. Like I don't have 
somewhere I have to be at nine o'clock. I've had that lifestyle where I was working in a construction job, like when I was living in the UK the first time, because it was very um, different price range in terms of uh, renting in a, a flat in Old Street. <laughs> yeah. Found that out very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it was not just one yoga class that I had to teach. So yeah. what I literally did at that time, I would fly to Denmark, I would work construction jobs for two weeks, have like 16 hour shifts, go back to UK, spend a month there teaching the prison as a volunteer, and I would like go in and out of like UK, Denmark. At the time you had like Ryanair tickets for like three pounds or something. It was literally, <laughs> it was like cheaper to fly to Denmark than it was to get like from London to Gatwick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was literally living like that. I was like, I had two pairs of gloves on because I didn't want anyone in UK to knew I was doing construction jobs because I still wanted to like be presented as like a yogi and <laughs> have the Lululemon pants and like all of this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so I was like in these two worlds. But um, I think that is also why I was able to make it in this industry because I really knew like if I'm not going to be an author and a yoga teacher and do all of this stuff, then I will have that kind of job that was kind of like written for me that I would be like a construction worker or a chef or... And I take my hat off like many of my family members are in those jobs. But it was just really jobs that I did not want to do. Like I was really not interested in working and living like that. So I just took that other crazy route where you have to be a little bit crazy. Like mm. I said, like you have to be like, you have to have this like crazy in terms of like wanting to go out of the norm and risk everything and just say, okay, I'm just going to go and do it. So the Harper event is one of those things of like, I'm going to plan an event about breathwork in a <laughs> lockdown <Yeah>. city. <laughs> See what but, happens. But, but we still have like a hundred people that like, which is our maximum. So we have like, I think there's like 10 tickets left now or something. Wow. And then we have Is 40. it all day or how long is it's, it? It's uh, three and a half hours. Yeah, hours. It's going to be totally crazy. I, I believe you. <laughs> it's oh, like, it's <laughs> there's never been an event like this wow. in, I think, at least in Iceland, I know, and in Denmark also, I know there's no open events like this. Because we are getting like the top yoga teachers and healers into one room, and then these like 20 amazing women who are playing the gongs, the big like metal, like mm, yeah, they are playing out into the whole hall. That's gonna be crazy. And what is it gonna be like workshops? Are you gonna like how, how's the structure of it, or is it a secret? It, no, 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 it's not a secret, it's like really like um. I'm not going to tell you exactly what's happening because no. it'll be boring when you show up. I think mm. you're going to be there. I feel like yeah. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> really you might be there. <laughs> but, like um, I really want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like a thing, like I already said that to people, it's like, it, it's like this is like the first ever of this kind of event in Iceland and it is going to be something that people will, will always remember. I feel like people are receptive receptive to it in Iceland. Totally. People are, like I hear about these things that I had, like I, I'm always seeing things about cacao ceremonies and like That was Julia. Have you met her? I haven't met Julia, her. Julia, she's so much fun. She's one of my best friends. Yeah. Does she do like. Yeah, she's she just does. as crazy as me. <laughs> if not at least as crazy <laughs> as me. I would say that. <laughs> she was the one who brought in the cacao to Iceland. Really? At that time, it was like total foreign, right? Like, I mean, we have all been in Iceland, so it's like the regular Icelander is not maybe someone you would see sitting and like, mm, yeah, I just <laughs> love this cacao. <laughs> but she really made it. Bean. Exactly. <laughs> but she really made it into like. Yeah. The youth especially, right? Like getting it into like the it's young super people. super popular. Now it became like, everyone knows about it almost. Mm -hmm. Like you can buy it in Hakkub, right? You can buy a ceremonial cacao inside Hakkub. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah, <laughs> that is huge, right? Like you literally <laughs> go and buy like, <laughs> you can get buy your stash if you're really in need at 24 hours, you can go to Hakkub and buy it. At any time. <laughs> at if you really time. need some cacao, you, you, can really, <laughs> you can get it. <laughs> um, how do we talk about that? Oh yeah, the event. So 
it really is just like uh, Sara Ots, who is like a, um, a life coach, who is also one of the Solia people. She is talking about like her life story of abuse and trauma and uh, like how to live a life that is not based on fear. That is like her main thing that she is talking about. Where for me, I'm not really sure what I'll talk about yet because I don't plan so much what I talk about. But it's definitely going to be connected to trauma and to the breath. And also for me, it's like that we need unity. Like that is what the world needs the most right now. Like it has never been more visible that we are in a time where unity is needed. Which is why also when you wrote me, that was like the first thing you had, like the trigger word was like belongingness and something else like in your message. And I was like, okay, I'm like there for it. Like, yeah, no your response was like anything that brings unity, <laughs> I'm down for it. Yeah, I'm like, ready. I'm ready for it. Because this is really like... This is the medicine of the world. It's like we need to bring unification. Like it's not about uh, pro or anti-vaccine. It's not about your skin color. It's not about your social class. It is just that we are literally all living together. No matter who we are, we are living together and we are interconnected. Mm-hmm. Like there is none of the things that we see around us that did not involve at least at least 10 other people, right? Like, I don't know what this one is called, the mixer or whatever it's called, right? <laughs> I <laughs> don't guys know. Don't <laughs> 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 Let's not discuss that. The equipment in front of us, right? <laughs> the technical, <laughs> the technical <like> stuff. <laughs> there was like the designer, there was the people who made it, then there was the people who like transported it, then there was the person who like unwrapped it or like wrapped it maybe first then the transporters, then the shipment of it, then the people who unwrapped it, then the person who set it up. So there's like, we are always in this chain of other human beings no matter who we are no matter where we live if we live in a mountain in china there's still the guy who comes up with his donkey with all the vegetables like there's always like someone and there's the people growing the vegetables and picking the vegetables so for me it's really just everything i do is just with that intention like i want people to come together across cultures across religions across social statuses and you will see in this event that we are doing in in Hartbrad, like we have literally people from organized crime families in iceland will show up have police officers showing up. You'll have yoga people showing up. You'll have people from that's the bank of, showing that's up. That's crazy. That's it's like amazing. Everyone from like all sectors of society will show up for sure. Like 100%. We have Jimbe players from Africa who are going to like, I think they are all from, um, I'm not sure where they're from. I'm not going to say it because I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. But I know they look super dope with their long dreadlocks mm. and they have beautiful drums that they are playing down the walking street. And it's the same thing. It's literally just like, I saw one of them afterwards. I looked at him and I was like, yo, what's up, brother? And he, he was looking at me like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, were you playing the gym bass? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, listen, like we have this event in Harpa. It's all about unity. Like I want people to be together. Like I really want you there. And he was like, okay. It's like, we're going to be there. Like, awesome. Wow. Like, Thank you. Perfect. Awesome. It's going to be pretty profound. So we have like a lot of musicians. We have Julia, the cacao uh, master, the cacao queen. She is coming to sing. So she is like singing over. We have Augusta, who is also a famous singer, and Svenny, who are gonna play guitar and sing. We have the breathwork. We have two big DJs, like quite amazing epic DJs, who are gonna play. So it is really like to give people an experience, but also to collectively. I can. It's coming out after the event. This thing, right? It is, yeah. Perfect. So like we are literally gonna go into like a collective prayer for the earth through the breath work. So we are like with the breath, we are going into the prayer for healing and unity for the country. And this is what we are creating in Denmark and we're going to like take it around different uh, places in the world and do. And then it's not the same group of people, so it'll be like some of the same names, but then we are connecting the whole spiritual community in these countries that we go to and cities. 
that was like my crazy idea that I had uh, one afternoon. Yeah. It was literally like one afternoon I said, it was like a little bit less than a month ago and I said it out loud and the person I sat with, Sig Thora, she is a, a event manager. She was like, ah, oh, that sounds cool. And then she called me the next day and she was like, okay, I spoke to Harpa and um, we're going to see the room. And I was like, uh, what? And she was like, yeah, yeah. She was like, we're seeing the room tomorrow. Like, can you be there at 12? And I was okay, yeah, I can be there. She was like, you wanted to do it, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I want to do it. She was like, I, I just know like how you ask. Like if you say something, I felt like we were just doing it. And I was like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it totally. <laughs> yeah. And then everything just like has come together. That's amazing. And now it's happening. It is really happening. And what's your plan? Are you going to do it again in Iceland? What's are you? Definitely. I will always come back to Iceland. Like yeah. Iceland is my main hub. Like we have the um, prison rehabilitation program. Mm-hmm which was the first program that got approved in Iceland, like an alternative program that I'm running with Bergstein. So I'm always coming in and out for that. We have the first guy now who was in prison for, I think, 15 years he was inside prison, and he just went through my teacher training this uh, weekend. So he will be like the first teacher to come through, and he's coming with us into the prisons next Back year. into the prisons. Oh. So he will teach. go in to talk and share and like teach the breath work and... It's not like a formal, we don't teach obviously in a formal way. We are more just like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, mm. okay, so uh, you guys like to smoke DMT? And they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, so like we can use the breath and like we can activate the same centers in the mind. And blah, blah, blah. and we just take them into that experience. And oh. we can see like some of the biggest um, people in that environment are literally just stepping out. They're just doing breath work. They're doing meditation twice a day. Like some of them are practicing breathwork in the morning, meditation at night, every single day. And they just transform. They're just like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to go and get a normal job and just like, and they're just out. So it's like we have seen it. I mean, I've seen it for many years, but now we are seeing it in Iceland also. So I'll always come back to Iceland and teach my course, at least in the prisons and do the big events for sure. Fabulous. And you're going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, is going to lead dance, I think. Ooh. I've seen her like on her social media. She's often dancing. That's another thing that I have like a block against, and I think it's probably not unusual. Like just go crazy, going crazy. <laughs> I think we've talked about it on the podcast yeah. before. Yeah. It like it 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 makes you feel differently. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what you were saying before, like tapping into a different brain wave or something, mm-hmm. and just a different state. Yeah, and like I think we're very used to like being very constricted and like tight and closed off and i think it's just it's like the it usually comes from like the preconceived idea at least for me and i know many people maybe not for you (laughs) (laughs) you're kidding (laughs) it usually comes from like the preconceived idea of like i should be seen as whatever it is you want to be seen. like for me and back in the day so it's like i wanted to be seen as like the cool guy who was like in the corner, like, yeah, maybe with my sunglasses on inside the nightclub with a <laughs> bottle of champagne or something, like, not really moving a lot, just, like, yeah. nodding my head. So it usually comes from this thing of, like, I don't want to be seen as someone silly or whatever it is. Mm. And then it's, like, once you break through that barrier and we actually allow the body to just, like, move and be crazy, we go into that, like, higher state of bliss, basically. Like, it is, like, a dopamine release in the body. I often, like, become really self-conscious of myself dancing of you know course. like you're like i'm like i like look at myself i'm like oh Kalachi, yeah. you're so cringy <laughs> so egos. but, but the yes. funny thing is that almost everyone does that right and that's yeah. the funny thing because we think like what is the other person gonna think but then most of the people who are in that they are thinking about themselves right and then the, like someone like me i don't even look at people i just dance around yeah. it's like way like this in my own like um <laughs> exactly. set the, off it's the illusion that people are 
thinking about us at all. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's thinking about you. Think about themselves. <laughs> exactly. And it's usually in all situations, like not just with dancers, like usually mm-hmm. like that with like everything is like yeah. people don't have time usually to think about others because they are so busy like, oh, what about me? And like, did I say the right sure. thing? And did I look right? And did I take the right jumper on? And like, did mm-hmm. like it's like all of these things that are going through. Mm. So it's again about like the craziness. Like when I say crazy, I really mean it as like a compliment to everyone who is like that. Because it is like we go out of the normal, um, we could say like social acceptable thing of just being free. But then it really is our birthright is to be free. Like mm. we are literally here on the planet to be free, to like experience freedom. And for me, that freedom can only be experienced as an internal thing. Like it was never experienced from where I was in the world or who I was together with. It's always like this internal feeling of like, well, I'm free to just move, to move, to dance, to breathe, to play, to like do whatever I want to do. It's hard to remember, like keep this in mind. It's so easy to kind of just put yourself into a little box or like be so attached to your ego and not really let yourself just be free. Mm. It's, it's, it's like in in Taoism we say it's like it's like the breath is like spirit right like if we could say like the spirit of the body or like the soul or whatever we want to call it and then the ego is like the death of the spirit so it's like what kills the spirit but we still need it of course because it's also the ego that knows like so I know that I'm not like a microphone as an example like I know that I'm Nikolai mm-hmm. this is a microphone this is like the separation um, thing which is super good and super 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 important but then if the ego is like too much in control, then we constantly feel that separation from people. And this is of course also as a as a as a person in another country, this is what we go into. Like and I also went into in China of like, oh I'm so different from all of these people. And then all of a sudden I was like, Okay, sure, of course there is like cultural differences, but I'm still exactly the same. Like I'm just a dude walking down the street and there's this other dude or this other girl or woman or whatever and they're also just walking down the street and then maybe they lost their child or this person had this experience or they want to be happy they want to be free that is basically what everyone is searching for at the end of the day it's like how can i feel more happiness how can i feel more freedom i think that's so powerful and that's something that like we haven't really discussed like we've done this whole podcast on like our experience as foreigners as and and what we're implying is like as separate from Icelanders who have grown up here mm-hmm. and like I think it's very valid to talk about those things because we share like a lot of experiences and I think it's good to connect and like acknowledge those things but at the same time like we like we live the same like the same things happen to all of us we have the same experiences and we like we share the same like highs and lows there's probably I mean probably there is more that is the same about us than yeah. that is different uh, different very true I think it's like maybe something we have to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. Yeah. You enlightened us. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what? <laughs> I mean, like, of course there is like, like one thing that was very visible for me in China was like, you would go into a place and sit and eat and then you would have like 15 people filming you with their phones, right? Oh, really? Where in the beginning. Because you were white and. Yeah, yeah, basically like blonde hair, blue yeah. eyes. I was like super fit at the time, so it was also just like, whoa, it's like Brad Pitt basically walking. Like for <laughs> like it wasn't for me obviously, but for them it was like maybe like some places we went to it was the first time they saw a non-Chinese person, mm. like the first time ever. So it's just like, whoa, this is like so crazy. We want to film it, and that made me feel really like a 
like a animal, right? Like in a Zulu, like, yo, dude, I'm like sitting here eating these noodles. I already don't really know how to use the chopsticks <laughs> and like how to like <laughs> suck this like weird noodles <laughs> soup with uh, eggs and all kind of stuff inside that I don't <laughs> would never make at least myself at home. <laughs> and uh, then I'm also being filmed doing it. Exactly. Another layer on top of another layer. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember like they asked me one of them, like, Is, it would be like that in your country also if I come right now. It's like it would probably be the exact opposite feeling of you that nobody would even look at you, which which can be equally intense of just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm just like in this country and nobody cares about me. Nobody mm -hmm. is looking at me, nobody is talking to me. And that is equally intense, obviously. Mm. If not I don't know if it's more or less. I will not go into more or less, but it's definitely an intense experience, both of them. But like both India and China, like people will come, like in India, they will just come and pull you. They'll just like come and pull your hand and just be like, sir, sir, please, 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 like come with us, come with us. Ah. And it's like very foreign for someone from Denmark where nobody would like, like they would not even come close to you. And like not, I'm not even talking about COVID and all of this stuff like people would like sit on another seat in the bus if there's like a, if there's another as seat available they would like just sit a fa as far away from you as possible when in India people are just like boom like in your face they're like all the time in your face so yeah I think it's it's always about like can I find the connection to the people and then for me it's always like the more connected I am to myself and it can vary from day to day but the more connected I feel to the people around me And then just knowing like, okay, I am connected. Even if that person feels the connection or not, I'm still connected to the angry bus driver or to the to the person who doesn't understand when I try to say brother uh, ever inside the ice cream oh, the store. Hardest word. The that hardest was the, word for me. Uh, <laughs> that was the first word I learned. <laughs> I think it's the hardest word. It's still one of the only words I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important one. Yeah. It is an important one. <laughs> I, I got that. I was like, okay, I can say that word because I don't drink alcohol and stuff. So then I could always meet people. And they would still think that I was cool because I was like eating the, the, the national yeah. <laughs> ice cream. So I was like, okay, he's like eating brother ever. And, yeah. he can, <laughs> yeah. and he can say it also. So it's like nice. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just about that. It's just like, how can I feel connected? And then, But of course, like I, I spoke to some of my friends in Iceland um, who are like uh, very much foreigners, like maybe much more than any of us are in the room. I would assume, I don't know any of your life stories, but... I would assume like people who really came from like war traumatized countries and stuff and hearing like how difficult it has been for them to, to come also to Denmark, of course, and like integrate into this. Like I feel somehow in Iceland, it might be easy. I don't know if this is just like my own uh, crazy thought than it is in Denmark because in Denmark it's like everything is much more. So it means like you are even, more foreign in some way where in Iceland is like a much smaller community so they, they still at least the ones I spoke to they still have connection easy to the other people who are coming from Turkey or coming from uh, Somalia and these places but like I spoke to one of uh, one of the Pakistani uh, women that I met because mm, I, I still interact with the Muslim community a lot I still love to go for food and for dinners and like especially like home cooked like Moroccan food or like Pakistani food is like my favorite to like go to because obviously you know that, that there's not a lot of restaurants in Iceland <laughs> so it's really nice to go to yeah. people who actually make the national food and um, she was saying she brought one of her cousins up and she came into the swimming pool and she just freaked out right she was like you're taking me to hell. Like she literally had the experience of being taken into like 
the resemblance of hell, right? Of like naked people, mm. music, guys and girls, everyone together. And it's like crazy, like the whole experience. And they hadn't thought about it because they have been in Iceland for so long, of course. So they were like, no, 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 it's just, we're just like in the uh, swimming pool. And she was like, I'm not going in there. And it's like went out, right? Of course, instantly. So I can totally see that there must be a lot of these um, clashes that must be super intense to go through. I feel like we could talk forever and yes. ever. I think you have like a hundred thousand yeah. more stories that, that we could know. Just go on. Where's the cacao? Yeah, yeah exactly. Someone bring the yeah. cacao. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. By the that one time I was in like in Bali, India. I was like in China. It's like oh yeah, that time. It's like. Did you feel you got what you wanted for your podcast? Yes, yeah. more than. Thank Definitely. you so so much for coming. I really really appreciate you taking the time in yeah. this like really really busy week. Yes, and uh, how can people find you? If people Instagram. Wanna... Instagram. <laughs> Nikolai Engelbright. Right.